Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Again, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about the greatest game they were a part of as a coach. As always, we don't put any limits on it. It could be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a CYO coach, whatever they want, just what they consider to be their greatest game. We are honored today to have Phil Dieter, who just finished his fourth season at Cardinal Newman in Columbia, South Carolina, and just came off a back-to-back state championship run. Phil, welcome into the show. Appreciate it, Chris and Brian. It's, uh, yeah, it's been fun. And four years isn't a lot, but uh, when you're around the game of basketball, it definitely feels like a lot. Uh, I feel like it's taking a toll on the uh, mental and physical part, but uh, I wouldn't trade uh, any of these last four years of the guys that we've had come to that program for anything. So definitely uh, – the reason why I wake up every morning excited to go to work is, is the, the guys that have come through that program those last four years for sure. Well, it seems like we only talk to state championship coaches from South Carolina. I'll tell you what. Well, I mean, we're not the biggest state in the world, but you do uh, – you got three private, private school classifications and now five public. So, uh, well, we talked to uh, – I'm sorry. We talked to, we talked to Brian's Ridge, you guys. We, we talked to Coach Stoneman, who's won, I don't know – 12 straight championships in a row. And we talked to Ryan Hilburn, who's an assistant up at uh, Dorman, and they've won 78 state championships in a row. And now you got two in a row. Is there anybody down there that doesn't win a state title there, Brian? So, yeah, I tell you what, Chris, the one thing that all those guys that you mentioned have in common is that they were all either student managers or student coaches for a college or university. So, Phil, I'm going to jump right in here to the, the Q&A. Like I said, uh, what was your experience like as a student manager at the University of South Carolina, and how has that maybe informed some of your decisions now as a head varsity coach in South Carolina? I mean, that's a great question. I think uh, I think being a manager at that level was was everything for where I am now. I don't, you know, I didn't really have. If you would ask me in high school, hey, do you want to go teach at a school or be a part of a education program? Uh, my answer probably would definitively been no. Uh, I'm probably not your guy for that. Um, you know, but getting the experience to be able to be with a, you know, a Division One program, you know, in a Power Five conference that you know, it was afforded a lot of things. I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity. There's obviously tons of programs all around the country, but it's vital in what you learn and the people you get to be around and the networking you get to do and you don't even know it. Uh, a lot of those people, like you said, a lot of these people all have ties somewhere to somebody at, at the college level or the pro level or, or an elite high school level. And it really is a small fraternity. So once you start getting talking to people, it's uh, it's actually really fun uh, to get to know their their stories and where they come from, even though you might know them a little bit, but get to know them a little bit deeper. They they come from somewhere, and uh, but yeah, the experience at, at a, as a manager, even a student manager like I was for three and a half years, uh, was fun. You learn everything, and it humbles you to the point where you're not. There's no glory. There's no glamour. You're not a highlight of anything. So that when you come out. I was just excited to coach middle school basketball uh, at Cardinal Newman, which was, you know, as soon as I, I got a job out of college and I was still doing, you know, part-time somewhere else. And 
I was just excited in the afternoon to get to go coach, you know, fifth, sixth and seventh graders. And, uh, you know, but it was, you know, probably built upon, Hey, y'all, I literally will mop the floor, clean up whatever I need to do, wash jerseys, whatever, work with Mac hand in hand in South Carolina, which that dude was awesome. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that you learn that maybe people necessarily wouldn't want to do that. Then when you become a head coach, yeah, you still have to clean the floor and do all this other stuff. It's not about the X's and O's. That's a small part of the game. You got to do everything else. And, and being a manager certainly taught me that. Uh, before I get to my question, it's great that you mentioned George McBride Cradell because literally at 1218 today, I got a text message that says, hi, my friend, hope you and your family are well and staying safe as possible. Miss you. Take care. From That's George awesome. McBride Cradell. That, and I would expect nothing less. I mean, he is a guy that when you talk about heart and soul of a program, that's Mac. I mean, there's everybody that's been around South Carolina basketball, and even probably some that, that maybe haven't been as close, still know who Mac is. And that's just a testament. I mean, I, I would walk in on that dude sleeping on a couch, you know, six out of seven days of the week. And uh, he was just that – he was that invested. And uh, getting to see, getting to be there for his retirement uh, was awesome. And, and no, I know they, you know, there's, there's obviously been plenty of people that, that have started the fund uh, you know, for him through the university. I think that's even better. Uh, you know, just having having the memory and his legacy live on because for, for guys like us, we worked with him every day. And he certainly had his quirks, but man, that dude was awesome. That, that's that's uh, better words couldn't be said about a better guy. But my, my question following up with Brian's question was, talk specifically about some of the mentors you've had along the way and things that they've taught you. Before the podcast, we talked about some of the guys, but talk to what they taught you Maybe not, maybe not necessarily specifically, but in general about what they taught. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, it goes back, you know, when I started playing when I was a kid was, was my dad. My dad, you know, played college ball. He didn't play at a huge level or anything like that. It was at the NAIA, NAIA level. And he played for a small town up in Illinois. But he taught, uh, you know, me and my brother the love of the game. You know, we watched the game on our little black and white TV. We watched, you know, whoever was on and – we tried to consume and he would take us, you know, we didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up, but he would take us to games and take us to the NCAA tournament. Anything he could possibly do, he was taking us, you know, to go learn the game and to grow the game. And he would drop us off in the morning. We'd get to school two hours early so we could shoot and just be in the gym. And we were lucky enough to be at a place that would let us do that. And, you know, so it starts with him. I mean, he, he certainly will tell you he doesn't know everything there is to know about the game and never really had a passion to coach. You know, but he coached us as we started growing up, and that kind of led me into, you know, my high school coach plays a huge role in what I do and giving me the opportunity to play the game and taught me how to play as a point guard and how to read the floor, be two, three steps ahead of guys. And, you know, so start at the high school level, and then you get into – I mean, you start meeting guys at the college level and even some of these professional guys. I mean, you know, they, they just know so much information. Just be able to talk to them is, you know, you try to soak in everything you can, but – I mean, I'm not the brightest guy in the world and never will be and struggle to read and all that stuff. So for me, it's like I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can and hope I don't forget it and uh, learn something along the way. Uh, but, yeah, the specific mentors, I would say my, my high school coach, uh, Lonnie Emmert, and my dad, uh, you know, and then guys like Mike Boynton, Neil Berry, um, uh, Justin Phelps, uh, Ian Gibson, guys that were at South Carolina, 
that really helped me. And then a big part of transitioning into where I am today was David Ross, who uh, was a player at South Carolina, was a very talented player coming out of high school and, uh, you know, is a, a very successful guy in his own right in the business world as a real estate attorney. And he uh, he brought me to Cardo Newman where I am today and, and gave me the chance to coach with him. And uh, those two years we coached together, we, I mean, I just learned I – mean, he knew the game inside and out and still does and always does. And he's one of the best in-game coaches you will ever meet. He can make an adjustment to anything you do. and It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's hard that I have to play against him two times a year now because he's uh, <laughs> coaching at our rival school. But, uh, I'm, you know, me and him will, will – you know, him giving me that opportunity certainly changed my path. And uh, I'll forever be grateful for him for that for sure. I'll tell you what, he is also one of the most pure shooters I have ever, ever seen. I had the, the great uh, fortune of being able to rebound for him after most practices. He, he would try to make, or he would not try, he would do it, make five in a row from five different spots outside of three before he would leave the gym. And, and sometimes that would take maybe 15 to 20 minutes, but most oftentimes it was boom. Five in a row from the corner, boom. Five in a row from the wing, maybe four in a row from the top, boom. Five in a row again. We were out of there in five or six minutes. It was unbelievable. He made my job a whole lot easier as a manager trying to rebound for, for David Ross. And you're right, just a, a great coach, great guy. So that'll lead me to my, my question. And would certainly love to hear your thoughts too as a, as a college manager, but uh, either as a college manager or a high school coach, who is the best player you have either that you have coached against? Ooh, best player I've coached against. So I would say, uh, I mean, I didn't do much coaching. Uh, obviously, at South Carolina, I just sat behind the bench and charted and got anybody water or gum when they needed it. But, uh, yeah, I would say the best player when I was watching play, we went up uh, uh, to Kentucky. Um, I guess that was, yeah, that was my last year. So it would be 2012, uh, you know, somewhere in that 2012 our 2011-2012 season, and uh, you know Anthony Davis uh, was a, was a high priced name, and uh, Damian Leonard uh, sh- shot a corner three, uh, kind of right in front of our bench. I think Anthony Davis jumped from what I thought was the block, and put that thing in about the second deck, uh, and you know just being able to watch him play up close and personal with his length and just his ability. Uh, you know, and that he's more recent, obviously, but he's being able to watch that up close and personal was, was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I also was fortunate enough. I didn't, I, w- I wasn't technically a part of the team yet, but, uh, when they played Davidson in the NIT and Steph Curry got a chance to see him up close and personal, I wasn't necessarily behind the bench for that one, but certainly was a fan in the stands. That was something that during the days of South Carolina, seeing those two guys and obviously seeing what they've become in the NBA you know, something you'll remember for sure. Uh, coaching against, best player that I've had to coach against? That's an excellent question. There's been a lot of them. Uh, we certainly try to schedule as best as we can, um, you know, for, for what we are at our level for high school. But, um, you know, probably throw out a name that kind of threw you off that I think was undervalued. I, I don't know if he was necessarily top to bottom the best player that we've had to play against. Um, but what he was able to do in the years that we played against him and how kind of under-recruited he was. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy by the name of James Reese coming out of AC Flora. Mm-hmm. Just a kid that I thought, you know, he was a matchup nightmare. 
Uh, he could handle the ball. He could play point if he needed to. He could distribute. He saw the floor. He could shoot the three from anywhere. And, oh, by the way, he's got some 44-inch vertical just hanging above the rim. And I'm looking like – and he's going to Buffalo, which Buffalo has been good. But I'm like, where are the schools around here? What are we doing? And, and for me, that just watching him and then watching him, you know, obviously do what he did at North Texas this year. I mean, even, you know, against Conference USA, which is which is a very good conference. But he is a unbelievable player that maybe to me was undervalued, um, maybe taken for granted. But but he was having to coach against him multiple times. I mean, he's just he was incredible, and and he had guy he had you know four or five star players on his team playing with him. But he was the guy that you had a game plan for. It's fun to watch him. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned him because you're right. He was explosive. Is is just if you look up that definition, you see his picture in the, in the dictionary. He was unbelievable. And South Carolina, it's you know, South Carolina would be known as a football state, right? I mean, it's it's football heavy, and yet we've got guys like James. We got a guy like John Moran that goes to Murray Murray State, like you know, and and, and now they are starting to blossom. And it's no it's no knock on any in state school or anything like that. I'm not I'm not suggesting anything like that, but. South Carolina has been really rich with some guys that can really get up and go. And James is a, is a great example of that. You're dead on the money with that. He was fantastic. Yeah. And you, in the last five years, I mean, in the time I've been a head coach, you can name, everybody's got somebody and you can name a lot of names. He was just for sure. One that I, you know, game plan against him was, was hard. And obviously, you know, playing against Zion was fun. You know, I remember he was the first game of our, season 2017 we go up to Spartanburg day obviously it was his junior year so we kind of knew about him that man goes for I think 38 and 17 or something and I'm just you know after where we had a chance but we didn't close it close the game out and we, we we were dealing with some stuff at that time and that team eventually got really really good but uh then the you know so I'm feeling you know two hours back down the road just what are we what are we doing what am I am I even cut out for this job like that's my first game as a head coach. And, uh, you know, two days later he goes for 52 and 20 and it's just like, okay, well maybe this guy's something different. So, uh, you know, that's certainly a fun story that I'll remember. And I, our uh, JV team at the time, I, it was almost like they were cheering for Zion, uh, for his <laughs> highlights, um, which, uh, you know, was, was a fun discussion the next day in practice. But, uh, but that was that is certainly one one kid that you know it was fun to watch. But he wasn't necessarily what he was yet. He was on the verge, and so it was fun getting to see that you know packed out gym of Spartanburg Day. It you know games weren't being played at Wofford or anything yet. But uh, yeah, I just remember feeling like I maybe this isn't my calling. And uh, now knowing that you know okay maybe you couldn't do so much against him. I still question if it's my calling. Um... No, you talk uh, – Brian, I thought, made an interesting point about under-recruited South Carolina basketball players. I think that's a uh, – I think it's definitely a badge of honor you guys can wear in South Carolina because it's – the state's littered with them. And, I, of course, now I can't think of the guy's name. Who went to Nevada, Brian. We had recruited Trey Kelly, and that's why we didn't recruit him. He was a point guard. And he wound up playing in the NBA for like 10 or 11 years. Can you Sessions. remember? Sessions. Ron Sessions. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. you know, we were kind of banged for not recruiting him but we had recruited Trey Kelly. Trey was going into his sophomore year and was getting turned, you know, we turned out to be pretty right about Trey Kelly. And uh, when he went to Nevada, a buddy of mine said, listen, there's a lot of schools between Myrtle Beach and Nevada. So, you know, we weren't the only one that didn't know he was going to be a 12-year pro. <laughs> but then you, meant, you even mentioned a kid earlier, Chris Middleton, 
who is who has come from a small school. And this is a personal one, but when when I worked with Brian at Ridgeview, we had a kid by the name of Jarvis Davis who wound up playing at Gardner Webb. And when I first got there, I said to to Brian and John Combs, and not that they didn't think Jarvis was good. I go, this kid can play Division One basketball, and it was like he wasn't really being recruited. And I, I had no idea why, but it's it might be because it's such a big football state, people don't look at it like that. It's an interesting. Uh, have to do a dive into that investigation. No, you're right. You're 100 right. I think there's. I think it's just a. It's a small state, but there's a lot of talent in a you know a little area. Columbia's always had some talent, but it's I think too the game of college is getting so recruiting is not easy. I mean, it's just that is what it is. It's hard. You have to really have the right contacts and know what you're looking for and what you're looking at. And at the end of the day, I think uh, you know where you're at with South Carolina basketball, maybe Clemson or obviously two Power Five schools. Um, those guys run certain systems, so they're not you know, not as not necessarily everybody is going to fit what they're looking for. And, you know, there's a million kids that play basketball. So you can go out and find, you know, your three scholarships you need pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, but I think the the most encouraging part is you've been able to see some of these, you know, uh, mid-major division one schools be able to take off, uh, you know, because they've been able to recruit South Carolina so well and, uh, you know, integrate, you know, some key pieces into their programs and keep guys home and be able to really put out competitive teams. I mean, look at Wofford and what Furman's been able to do. Uh, you know, College of Charleston's always seemingly right there making a push. Uh, you know, the Citadel plays an interesting brand of basketball. You've seen guys, you know, go to Presbyterian or Charleston Southern that, you know, really hit it huge and then end up transferring somewhere bigger. And, uh, you know, so that some of these in-state schools maybe are getting a lot you know, better opportunity at some of these kids because maybe they don't fit the system or whatever it might be. But uh, so I think that's encouraging for sure. Coach, you talked about the, the, that game, your first game coaching is against Zion Williamson. You thought maybe I'm not cut out for this. And then we talked a little bit about the beginning, about the success you've had the last two years in winning state championships. But how do you define success for your team each year? You know, it's, that's, that's an excellent question. That's actually the question uh, – that uh, when I was hired, our AD, Will Udy, I would, that's kind of how I answered this question was probably what led to me getting the job. But uh, I wanted to – my number one goal is I want to find a staff that believes in the same thing that I believe in. And what I believe in is, you know, I don't really care how many trophies you get or, or you know, how many championships you win. You know, state championships are great. Tournament trophies are great. Winning games is all – you know, it's fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, to me – if I'm not preparing guys to go get their full opportunity to possibly be at the next level, if that's what they want to do, or even if a kid just wants to be a high school player and go to wherever as a, as a college student, if I'm not preparing those guys for that next step in their life, the correct way, then it doesn't matter. Then I'm losing uh, regardless of how many wins or trophies you put, you put up. And so I think we set out from the number one goal of our staff is, you know, any kid that has aspirations to go play college ball, it's our goal to get you there. And, again, there's, you know, seven different levels of basketball. So, you know, not everybody's going to be in North Carolina. And, you know, being able to find guys and make sure they buy into, hey, you got to have this, you need to aim for this GPA, you need to aim for this test score to get the max amount of money, you need to be doing this, you need to go here, we need to travel and, and go play at different places. I think that's our, our number one goal is always going to be, 
you know, giving kids a chance to go to the next level. And it's not always basketball. We've had guys that play football or guys that want to go be engineering at Georgia Tech or, or whatever it might be. It's our job to get those guys to that next next spot. And, uh, you know, if we step aside from that, then probably coaching isn't what I need to be doing. So how do you balance this winning culture that you have obviously created with two consecutive state championships and this obvious love and care for kids and their growth as people? I guess my maybe a more pointed question would be, how does that show up on a daily basis? Uh, can you give us some examples of things of, of things that you've done with kids that uh, have come through your program to help kind of balance that out? Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, man, you guys hit really good questions. Uh, it's like you guys have done this before. Uh, so I, you know, I, my number one thing is, is I don't want to be the only guy talking to you. And by what I mean by that is, I want you to have complete trust in what we're doing as a school and complete trust in what we're doing as, as a specifically a boys basketball staff. And, you know, we've created, uh, you know, a speed and strength program where I, you know, if you, if you know me or see me, I'm not a weight room guy. Doesn't, I don't look like it. I don't eat like it. I don't do anything a part of any type of nutrition or weight room area. So we have a guy specifically, you know, that works with our basketball guys uh, you know, in that department. So I don't even see him, you know, that's, that's their guy and they trust him for that and they go do, you know, stuff with him. And, and he's, you know, a, a relatively young guy. We have a director of speed and strength, uh, coach view who's, who's been around for a little bit in the Columbia area. And then uh, coach Holmes is, is a, is a younger guy that's a nutritionist and a strength coach. And he's come in and really taken over that part of our game. So a lot of it is, Hey, I'm going to show you that while we are going to push you as hard as we possibly can basketball wise, we're also going to, you know, have recovery days. We're going to have yoga days. We're going to go learn different things that maybe will help you down the way, you know, and it's even as simple as keeping snacks in your room uh, or or my office or in the concession stand where, you know, maybe they forgot their lunch that day or whatever it might be, you know, come grab a peanut butter and jelly or a, protein bar a chocolate milk or whatever and just by having that type of access not only for me but for my staff and, and our strength coaches and our trainers and things like that it helps them feel comfortable and the more comfortable a kid at that level is going you know a lot of kids you know at a private school or, or things are probably going pretty well but at the end of the day a lot of kids have a lot of problems and for them to be able to open up to you is uh is is really special but you have to have that relationship and uh building that relationship through different tools like that for me is kind of what helps me you know even when you have bad days be able to be there for them well that's the 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 theme has come up a lot on this podcast and you know we we we've got a a real, at least I'll, I'll speak for myself. It's, it's a, it's a real pleasure to, to be around kids that you're right. That may not have the best home situation or the best things going on in their lives. And for we're, we're able to step in and, and love on them and, and coach them hard. And that's why that, that question is a very important one for me and for me and my coaches as well at Ridgeview is like, Hey, how do we create this winning culture? Because we're going to try to win. We're going to go out there and win. And, um, and also we're going to care about kids and help them grow. And, uh, that, that balance is, 
it's a tough one to, to, to strike at times. And uh, I just appreciate you giving those examples. It sounds like, uh, and I know, and I know you, and I know the kind of program that you run that's, uh, that that's happening over there in, in Columbia and the kids that come into contact with you and your coaches are, are better for it. And so uh, it's just, it's just really neat to see it walk, it walk itself out and see you win state championships at this at the same time. So I think it's just a, it's a real, a real cool thing. Oh. Brian, I'm going to echo those thoughts about those themes coming up again and again. It makes, it makes me feel like we are interviewing the right coaches and the people who are in it for the right reasons. And I think coaching has gotten a bad rap, say, over the last eight to ten years. Some of it, more of it youth coaching, not necessarily high school coaching. Um, but you hear so many horror stories, and then you get to do what we've done here the last – a uh, couple of weeks starting this podcast and talking to the coaches that we've coached and, and those same themes that, that Phil talked about right there have just reared their head constantly over and over and over again. Like, like I said, which makes me feel like we're interviewing the right guys. I would definitely, definitely agree with that. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to be able to do this and, and get to know guys on a little bit more personal level. So, Coach, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Game. So, at this point, we'd love to hear about. And if you've got a couple of games that we want to talk about, that's totally cool with us, too. Uh, but the greatest game that you've ever been a part of, you can give us as much background information as you can and, and why it's so special to you. Yeah, absolutely. I first, uh, I first I don't, you know, I'm not sure I fit the category of, of the coaches that you've had on here because you've had some really, really good ones already on this podcast. And I'm sure we'll get uh, a lot of more. So I just uh, definitely appreciate you <laughs> letting me uh, be on as a, as a, as a character, but uh, well, yeah. So best games that I've been a part of, I, I took it into three different categories. I think uh, obviously if you're a basketball fan, you know, the majority of people, you know, whether you remember the Michael Jordan days or you, you know, uh, players that, you know, maybe are in today's game that don't even, remember watching Michael Jordan are, you know, it's fun to go back and watch as a, as a group, as a country during this time, uh, the last dance that, that comes on every Sunday. So kind of made me think about the games and the, the things I've been a part of. So I'll start with an easy one. Uh, when I, as far as coaching, again, I go back to my first year, uh, you know, uh, 2016, 2017 season. And, uh, we're, we're playing at home in December and, uh, We've kind of been up and down a little rocky. We have some talent. Uh, first year, we're trying to break some habits and get some things going right, and we end up having, uh, you know, what sticks in my mind, and then I already mentioned his name before, was James Reese and AC Flores coming to our gym that year. Uh, and it's a Friday night, places packed. You know, schools maybe, you know, we moved from a campus, so we used to be a half a mile apart. Now we're a couple more than that. But uh, I, I would say it's it's a nice little rivalry between a, a, a private school and a public school, and so it's a, it's you know it's a great atmosphere the whole night. You know, tight game goes in overtime, and uh, it ends up being one of our seniors, Brandon Martin, uh, Coach Martin's Frank Martin's son, ends up hitting a layup at the buzzer, and uh, place just goes nuts. And uh, it, it's something that you look up and. Frank was able to be at the game and, and, you know, I didn't see him obviously, but, you know, people tell me that the smile that he had on his face, just being able to watch and see that happen and see that happen for Brandon uh, in that type of atmosphere was, 
was priceless, I guess. And, uh, you know, so that one will stick in my mind forever, especially it's that first group that I got to be a head coach with and some memorable players and, and moments with that team. And, you know, ultimately ended up making it to the state championship that year, ended up getting beat. But uh, that team accomplished a lot of goals and started a lot of things. They had to really turn around what we wanted to do as far as philosophy-wise. And, and that game was certainly one of the rewards that, that those guys remember forever, I'm sure. Uh, I, you know, I did mention earlier we, we, we ended up going to Coach uh, Rosefield's uh, Bojangles Bash the next day. It got blown out. But uh, we, we don't remember that as much. We yeah, remember we the we uh, talk about that. One. We remember the Friday night, not the Saturday afternoon. Um, Coach, before you keep going, talk about the specialness of that first group. I think anytime you first become a coach, talk about that first group that you coach. That first yeah, Chris. team. Shoot, I mean, those guys, uh, you know, we, that, we were lucky that year. We had three seniors, and uh, three, all three of them went to go on and play at the next level. Christian Jones, who's at Stetson, uh, who ironically came back home and beat South Carolina this year, which I'll never hear the end of that for sure. But, uh, I mean, he was an unbelievable shooter, uh, just long athletic player. We had Brandon uh, Martin, Frank Sun, who's now at USC Upstate, uh, and then uh, we had a kid by the name of Winston Andrews, who probably is the best athlete a lot of kids, have, you know, a lot of guys have ever seen step onto a floor. And he ended up going to Newberry, uh, kind of bounced around a couple of different places now. But he's, but those three guys, you know, really, it took some time to get them to buy in to even what remotely close to what we were trying to do. But I mean, those guys, they still come back any chance they get. Those are the guys, you know, they're the first ones, you know, even though they were. Um, you know, unfortunately, on the losing end of a state championship, when we won last year, that first one, you know, those three were the first ones to call uh, and, and want to be on FaceTime with the guys in that locker room. And, you know, that was just a special group of players, uh, you know, but it was, you know, spearheaded by those three uh, that, that really enjoyed their experience, experience not only at the school, but their experience with us as coaches. And from that point forward, really helped us be able to, hey, you know, you know, we said this during this year, and look what happened. You know, and if you don't believe me, call Christian or call Brandon or call Winston. And, and so, you know, those guys really were true ambassadors for the program and still are. It's great to see those guys every time, you know, they come home on break or whatever it is, they need to get in the gym and work out and whatever. It's fun to have those guys. But, yeah, that, that first team is you're always going to, you know, uh, remember those guys. And there was a lot of players that were on that team uh, that had a lot of time, you know, spent a lot of time and a lot of time in the gym, a lot of time developing and a lot of time watching film. But it was, you know, because of that first group. And we would not certainly not be as successful as we has been the last two years without being able to go through that. But uh, that's a great question. I mean, those, that for those first teams, I don't think any coach will ever forget uh, being with those guys and the time they put in. Um, but yeah, I'll move on to number two, uh, in the category I kind of, you know, broke it down to first was coached and then I wasn't a great player or I was, a, I was, we'll put it this way. I was an average player. I could shoot the ball a little bit and could play some point, but wasn't my brother got all those genes. Uh, he was, average he was, makes you way, average makes you way better than Brian and I. Uh, well, I, well, then I'm not even sure I was average. So uh, I, I lived for intramurals back in the day. We'll put it that way. That was that was more fun. Probably even lived for more for what you did after intramurals than than actually the game. But uh, 
it was, uh, we were, uh, I got the opportunity after I was done. Uh, obviously if you're a Carolina fan or a Gamecock basketball fan, you, you remember the run a couple of years ago. And, uh, I actually think I saw, saw you Brian up there, uh, at, I can't remember which game I saw you at, but uh, the game I'm going to remember is is really two. Uh, obviously, South Carolina beating Florida to go to the Final Four in that Elite Eight game was, you know, you just remember Kotsar hitting the shot. You know, you're kind of – that was a, a what are you doing, what are you doing? Uh, oh, great shot, mm-hmm. uh, one of those. And then, you know, the uh, they get a steal and P.J. throws it ahead for the, for the dunk by Dwayne Notice. So just being able to be there. Uh, me and my wife got the chance to make the trip with some friends and be in New York City at the Garden. Not only see your team beat Baylor in the Sweet 16, but be able to see your team move on to the Final Four. Um, when, quite frankly, when I was out of South Carolina, I had no inkling that that would ever happen. And um, just being able to be there for that was was something special. But I, I can't remember which night. I think it was that first night that I saw you. And we stuck around. We didn't plan on it, but we stuck around for that. I think it was Florida-Wisconsin game. That game was incredible. Uh, Sweet 16 game that would, you know, ended up ending at like 1 a.m. in the morning or whatever. And we had no business even planning on staying, but ended up watching it. And certainly glad we did. But then, you know, two nights later, being able to see South Carolina go to the Final Four and, you know, to even watch the video back or hear the play call back on the radio is – you know, just something special. And anytime I go to the gym, you always, you know, roll by the the screen they got with the trophy and stuff like that. Just to, you know, something I was glad I was able to do to to be able to see and at the time, you know, have the money to go on a trip like that and just be able to do it. And, uh, you know, so that was certainly in person, something I always remember. Um, my third one would be something I'd watched or seen on TV. And this one goes back a little bit. Um, at the time, uh, LeBron James had just come in the league, so I was kind of torn. I'm from Indianapolis. My, my family's from the Chicago area, so most of them are all Chicago people. I didn't really move down to South Carolina. There's not really, you know, other than the Hornets, you know, I didn't really have any teams. So I kind of che- just cheered for uh, the Pacers growing up, and Reggie Miller was my favorite player uh, growing up. And then LeBron came in the league. I kind of transitioned to, to being a LeBron guy. Um, but right as that happens, uh, the Detroit fans will know it's called the block. And, it, you know, it's, I believe it was 2004, game two, Eastern Conference Finals. Pacers had kind of dominated game one, you know, real physical on their home court. And they, they had, you know, beat, beaten them, you know, and, and back and forth game two. Chance to tie the game. Reggie Miller goes up for a layup. You know, at the time, you know, I'm a you know kid in middle school just – or, or high school and kind of transitioned, I think it was eighth, ninth grade year. And I just remember, you know, crying at the TV for whatever reason that Tayshawn Prince somehow came out of nowhere with his eight foot, 10 inch wingspan and blocks Reggie Miller up against the glass. And then they go on to win by four or five. I don't remember, but that was a game that I just remember being a fan being like, man, this is terrible. Like, how did that just happen? We go from being up two Oh in the series to, end up obviously eventually losing the series but um it was it was a, certainly a game-changing moment for Pacer fans I know and, and I'm not the biggest Pacer fan obviously don't really cheer for them anymore uh but my brother is and I know we were just devastated that night I, I will say this uh I got a chance when I was I was at the University of Kentucky for one year before I came to South Carolina and it was Tayshawn Prince's sophomore year 
And I filmed practice every day at, at Kentucky that year. And it's not an exaggeration uh, that I saw Tayshawn Prince do that uh, 12 to 15 times during the year in practice. He had this speed. He would turn it into a second gear, and right, his, he had the longest arms I've ever seen. So when he did that against the Pacers and everyone was freaking out, I was like, hey, I've seen that play. Like, <laughs> it was a play he made often. Like, I don't know, you know, in practice too, especially it's not, you know, sometimes guys aren't going as hard or whatever, but I saw him make that play a bunch of times. When he did it in the game, you're just like, yep, that's Tayshawn. That's, that's the type of ball player he was. I just remember turning around and looking at my dad like, you know, tears starting to come out. Why didn't he just dunk it? You know, like, what are you <laughs> like? You're six foot seven and just go up and dunk the ball. You know, what are you doing? And, uh, but yeah, that was, you know, certainly a great uh, moment for Detroit fans for sure. Certainly turned that series around. But you're right. I mean, Tayshawn Prince, you know, he was long, he was athletic, and he did it for a long time in the NBA. And that was probably one of the better highlights for him in the NBA. But it was uh, certainly a fun memory. I don't, you know, remember too much about watching a ton of games growing up, but uh, that was one that, that certainly will stick in my mind. I'll tell you, I'm going to attempt to tie your second game and your third game in together through the final four. So Indianapolis is quite possibly not, it is my favorite city in the world because of the final four. Like it is such an amazing venue. We've had a lot of, we got a lot of high school coaches that listen to this show here. And I've been, I made the decision, I don't know, seven, eight years ago to say, I'm going to every final four and now I'm a high school athletic director. I'm still going because it's great professional development. You get to see guys that you've worked with over the years. And so um, it's just Indy's an unbelievable city, wonderful host for the final four. And, and then back to your game number two with South Carolina, making it in the final four. Um, just, I can't, I can still remember and can feel the elation of seeing my Gamecocks in Phoenix, Arizona at the hotel, all the branding the NCAA does. Um, what just talk about how special that was to have worked with the program and then to see that program come so far. I know you've talked about it a little bit more, but it's, it's just, I'd love to hear more about walking the streets and just seeing what, what that was like. It was just, it's just, it's, I, I just, anyway, I just, I just can't, I can't, I can't get over how that, that the feelings that I had is just unbelievable. Well, you're right. And I, you know, just sitting there and, and then, you know, even though you're, you're in New York city, you're knowing you're going to the final four and you're sitting there it felt like the whole arena was Gamecock fans mm -hmm. and it just felt like every, every single person was cheering for, for, you know, the Gamecocks in that moment. And then you're walking the streets of New York city and it's almost like everybody you saw had that same passion and happiness that you did. And I mean, I, I remember, you know, there just wasn't much I could say. I mean, I was, you know, sitting there, it's me and my wife and about seven of our other, you know, buddies that we went to school with and, you know, we're all just kind of like, you know, we remember I was in school when we won the College World Series and, and, you know, those are huge deals. And I never ended up going out there and, you know, but we're watching on TV and, you know, baseball being baseball, we're superstitious. So everybody's got to sit in the same spot. You can't do, you know, every game we had the same meal, same snacks, same, you know, drinks, whatever we were doing, it was the same. And, and you know, that was, those were great. I mean, it was fun. But for me as a basketball guy, there was nothing at that point in time that I would trade to want to go do. 
and to be a part of in a sporting event. And, you know, uh, and that's, you know, obviously winning a state championship is, is, oh, I mean, is incredible. Uh, and it's an incredible feeling, you know, but it's, you know, it's even a better feeling for, for the kids, I'm sure. And I never played for a state championship, but just being able to sit there in a, in a university that you invested time in, a basketball program that you spent countless hours, you know, doing all types of stuff for knowing the people like the Max of the world, uh, you know, that have put in all this effort to a program and been there for years upon years, just to be able to kind of see it all come together with, you know, not only a great team and a, and a really good coaching staff, just, just being able to sit there and soak that in in person is indescribable. And, and I ended up not going out to the final four to watch the game. We, you know, we, we uh, had some young kids at the time, but it's a little bit different going on here, but uh, you know, I would have loved to have been out there, but just, I mean, you, it's hard to put into words and it's hard to, you know, just, you know, I still, I heard the call on the radio the other day or and maybe it was about a month ago for some reason they were playing it on the local radio station, just going through some stuff and, it just brings back everything and it's just emotional. It's, it's, it's a fun, a fun emotion that sports brings you and, you know, sports as we've learned and things in life right now aren't, you know, they aren't everything. They're not a necessity. You don't have to have them to be here. Uh, but to be without them is tough because there's, it's something that brings people together. And I think that moment for sure, it brought a bunch of people regardless of who you are, where you come from, what your background is, what you do. It brought a lot of people in this area and across the country alone, you know, together for that moment. And uh, it was incredible to be a part of. Yeah, I sat with uh, Gamecock great John Chappell during the Wisconsin-Florida game. And I sat with Brian Rosefield and his lovely mother during the uh, South Carolina-Florida game when they went to the final, you know, the game to go to the final four, the Elite Eight game. Do you remember that, Brian? Do you remember that you sat with me? I do. I do. It's um, that was yeah. I feel like you're, you're right on the money. Just to, for for all three of us to have put in the work in the in the years leading up to that, and just to be able to watch it is just it, indescribable. Absolutely. Right. Indescribable. Actually, I sat with you since it was your tickets. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, had, I do remember Brian getting lucky on the tickets. Brian had the good seats. You know, I was up there in the nosebleeds, but got invited down. Uh, coach, we like to end with a fun final question. What is one thing if I ask kids, if I ask Brandon Martin and I asked a, a kid who played for you this year, uh, what's the one thing coach Dieter says over and over again? Again, it could be an instructional point. It could be something funny you say. It could be something, you know, when the kids are sitting around doing their coach Dieter impersonations, which I know they do. What's the one thing they say, coach always says this. That's a good question. You know what? I actually thought about that as I got into coaching. I'm always like, I don't want to say the same thing over and over and over <laughs> again to where I sound, uh, you know, repetitive on something that maybe kids don't like. But uh, that's a good question. Impersonations, they, there's certainly been a couple of them. I think the, some of the best impersonations aren't what I say. Uh, it usually wants to get in and get out and let's uh, move on with whatever we want to do. Um, but I think there's number one thing is uh, I'll go on, you know, five minutes in a practice or something describing the other team's personnel or players and they're, and they are coach, you hype up everybody. <laughs> everybody 
is, you know, LeBron James and Reggie Miller and shoots like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. You know, if you don't cover them, they're going to kill you type deal. Like you hype up literally the sixth man on the bench. And, and I, you know, I probably don't realize that I do it, but I, you know, I just remember that first year we, we you know, we took a couple of losses that I probably felt like we shouldn't have. And I, I looked at, I'm looking back, I'm like, well, maybe we weren't prepared enough. So now I always want to overkill to make sure that we're prepared for everybody, no matter who you're playing. And uh, so I know that's, that comes up fairly often. I'll talk about, you know, especially shooters. I will hype up a shooter like they're going to make 10 out of 10 and go, you know, score 30 points from beyond the arc. Um, you know, that's, that's probably my number one, number one thing. Uh, you know, they also get me on how I chew the whistle too. I, I destroy whistles, so. Uh, but it's just because I can't chew gum during with a whistle on now. You know, Coach, I remember having a conversation with uh, with Barry Sanderson, who was an assistant at South Carolina when I was there with Coach Odom, and I said to him, I said, "All you do is think about all the things your players can't do, but the other team's players are all great." Like you said, because we were getting ready to play Florida, and now Florida was terrific. They went back to back national titles, and. Barry was going, well, how are we going to stop Joe Kim Noah? You know, like, oh, God, what are we going to do? We can't – I go, Billy Donovan sitting in his office with his coach is saying the same thing about Ronaldo Balkman. Like, Jesus, this guy's everywhere. He gets every loose ball. He blocks every shot. He gets every rebound, okay? I said, what they're thinking about is, oh, Joe Kim can't dribble the ball with his left hand, and the other team knows that. So that's funny that you say that because I think it's definitely true. It's great. I mean, that's what we – you know, I'll get the – but coach, we you know we won by twenty five last time. Well, we could lose by twenty five is usually what I you know. It's all it takes is just one guy to get hot. And uh, but you're right. I mean that's it's funny. That's an excellent quote because uh, that's a hundred percent true. I don't think there's a coach out there that doesn't think that same way because there's you definitely spend more time on other players. You know, thinking about what they do the best as opposed to what maybe your players do until after you have a chance to reflect on what they actually do really well. Exactly. Coach, we, we're going to let you get back to your family. Maybe we can have you back on. I know you're a big family man. We can maybe talk some more about how do you integrate coaching and family. That's a whole that's a whole other podcast. But I know you've got uh, a couple of young ones running around there that uh, want to see Dad before to go to bed. But uh, can't thank you enough for coming on the show and uh, just really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate both of you guys. You guys, I mean, you're doing an excellent job. I, I was able to, uh, you know, listen to a couple of them before I came on and listen to the first initial one. And it's just awesome. I mean, it's just something I wish I had the ability to be able to do. But like I said, I can barely read. So there's not a ton I could probably do editing and <laughs> filling up time talking about stuff. But uh, what you guys are doing is great. And uh, Obviously, anybody that puts time and effort into high school, anything – uh, is, 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 uh, I'm a huge fan of that in my, in my book. Cause it's, you know, not the number one thing usually on people's minds, but, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Y'all keep doing the, doing the great work that you're doing. Well, Phil Dieter, thanks so much. And for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games. Mm-hmm.